The Baltimore Ravens wrapped up their two-day joint practices with the Washington Commanders on Wednesday. We talk about that, plus Marlon Humphrey's unexpected surgery and so much more coming up next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens, a daily Baltimore Ravens podcast here. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube and bringing a Ravens content five days a week. Sometimes more if there are some uh, unexpected news breaks, which we got on Wednesday. We'll talk about that here with our guests and a lot more. Bobby Trossett of the Ravens Vault also putting out daily Ravens content. Orioles as well on his personal channel too. Bobby's built a lot. I'm very excited to have you back on, Bobby. It's been a long time coming. And of course, we have actual stuff to talk about, not just with joint practices, but Unfortunately for the Ravens this summer, and Humphrey situation we got going on. Yeah, just just wrapped up live streaming as well. You know, unfortunately, this is the big news. It's come certainly as as a surprise to to many. John Harbaugh noted that this has been lingering for Marlon this this foot setback, which they kept it under the wraps pretty good because although I haven't been out there at at camp practices and joint practices. You know, you and I, we, we stay as plugged in as we possibly can. And, and I'll certainly, you know, defer to you, too, in terms of I don't want to speak for you, but I was I was definitely surprised. I felt like I had been keeping up with all of this. And while there have been injuries to the secondary, I didn't think Marlon was among them. So it's unfortunate, but it could be worse. Right. It could be long term. We're hoping that this is short term, maybe just a couple games. And that would be about a month recovery for Marlon. So without him, we know this. It, it was slim pickings prior to him going down. And now with with him down for at least the next month, it's it's yeah, it's depleted. <laughs> it's probably the second worst case for the Ravens. The first one, as you mentioned, would be him being out for long term or the season. But them losing him, I've said it before, Bobby, he to me and, you know, you can make arguments for Ronnie Stanley, for Justin Tucker, Roquan Smith, et cetera. He to me is the second most important player on the Ravens outside of Lamar because of what the room is without him. Now, while he's gone, Rocky Asin, who is also not practicing right now, gets elevated to the number one spot. Jalen Armour Davis, Brandon Stevens, Darius Washington. It's all those players. But I think the joint practices, Bobby, were a time to kind of figure out some of the young players in the secondary. And maybe it was a turning point for the Ravens. I'm sure the Marlin injury was. But even just to see where these young guys could take the secondary and again, Humphrey's not out for the season. We'll get to that a little bit more in the second part of the show. But there was a lot made today, Bobby, on Wednesday about the Ravens and Lamar's deep ball accuracy over the course of the day on Wednesday, where missed a couple of guys, underthrew a ball. We saw on Tuesday there was a underthrown ball to Odell, which did get there. But if you let him a little further, it would be six. I think a lot of people might be a little worried about Lamar's deep ball accuracy, especially considering what we saw last year in Jonah Schaefer who's over the Baltimore banner did a great job kind of highlighting Lamar's deep ball accuracy over the course of his career. He was kind of a medium deep ball passer over the first couple of years of his career, but last season took a huge dip. So where are you Bobby with these takeaways from joint practices with Lamar's deep ball accuracy, not necessarily being there right now. Are you, are you concerned about that at all? 
I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I think that'd be hyperbole if I said I was. I think there's been a lot more good than there has been bad. Again, we're you know we're taping this on the 16th, so day two of of joint practices has came and gone now. And you know, the aforementioned Jonas Schaefer, he sort of noted and and did some bookkeeping here in terms of Lamar's accuracy on on day two, and I have them right here in front of me, so I'll share them. They did not have a great day. They did not have a great morning. And Jonas had Lamar at eight for 19 and 11 on 11s and just three for seven and seven on sevens. There were some drops and PBUs in there, uh, but there were also several misses as well. And to me, Kevin, you know, again, August 16th, right? Three weeks and change away from the start of the season. They're implementing this new offense. They're trying things. They're experimenting. This is the time to do it. They're going against, well, the last couple of days they have. Finally, guys other than themselves, other than their own teammates. So I think for for Todd Munkin, for Lamar Jackson, it's really about making sure that the terminology is down pat, that they have an understanding for each other uh, communication-wise, uh, overall mood-wise, um, the what you like in, in certain situational types of phases and, and management and style, right? So all that right now to me is is the best time for there to be growing pains. And, and so I'm not going to come out here and, and overreact and say that, you know, Lamar's numbers unofficially, by the way, Jonas is usually spot on, but those are unofficial numbers. I'm not going to come out here and say that they're you know detrimental right now, that they are a major problem. To me, this is all part of the process. And what's exciting about it is that we know Lamar can flourish in a pro style offense because he did in college. We have not seen it consistently. I guess Marty's scheme, his rookie year had some, some resemblance of, of what Todd is, is going to bring to the table here. So we haven't necessarily seen it consistently at the NFL level, but I'm not going to sit here and doubt the potential that he has uh, to how he can actually perform within this scheme. Not, not for a second. And to me, this is a new offense, one. And two, they brought in new pieces. So, I, you know, Rita Hubbard, who we had on the show here yesterday, she made a good point, at least I thought, Bobby, in terms of he's still feeling out Odell. He's still feeling out Zay Flowers and figuring out how these guys want to run their routes, how deep they cut in. And so sometimes there will be either miscommunications. And we know Lamar has a strong arm, too. You know, that game against Jacksonville last year, we, we saw that ball unleashed to Deshaun Jackson from Lamar. So he, he can cork the ball. He has a cannon for an arm. And so I'm not going to necessarily take these joint practices, these training camp practices and say, all right, pack it up. Season's over. <laughs> Lamar can't hit a deep ball. We, as he talked about, we have plenty of time for Lamar to get things on, on track. And if we're still talking about it in October, then we can have a different conversation about it and say, all right, then maybe it's a problem. But one guy who is a problem, Bobby Zay Flowers incredible he's been this guy that has just gotten all the training camp pipe and deservedly so he's been electric route running is just absolutely incredible from him and to me it's different with him in this offense because it's not like he's the only one it's not like it's him and mark andrews like we saw in 2019 2020 with marquise brown and mark andrews and those are the only two guys it's odell it's rashad bateman and it's why the addition also of todd munkin just adds so many different elements to this ravens offense and although they did struggle on Wednesday, as you know, Jonas and many others pointed out, to me it seems like the excitement around the team, which we'll get to a little bit more in the final part of the show, is real because Greg Roman's out, Todd Munkin's in, and Lamar has the best cast of weapons he's ever had in his career. 
Yeah, for sure. And just to kind of piggyback off of the, the Zay Flowers hype, look, we understand that he hasn't played a regular season game yet. We know he hasn't played a snap yet in the NFL aside from preseason play. But this guy is showing you exactly what the Ravens why the Ravens were so high on him coming out of Boston College. A four-year player who had the loyalty, right, to 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 BC to stay there in the midst of all kinds of offers coming in once he started hitting productivity. And I to me that says a lot about his character, right? He could have gone probably higher at, at any point towards his upperclassmen years. But instead, he stayed there at BC, maybe even, honestly, probably gave up quite a bit of NIL money while doing so just because, again, loyalty with the capital L. So, But then you talk about what he's done on the field. Not only does he have the chemistry almost overnight with Lamar, they're both, both South Florida boys. We know they were training together prior to camp kicking off. So there's that. But then I think about just his traits, his physicality, his explosiveness. A lot of these things are what made him, you know, so popular coming out of BC into the draft. It was, you know, the yak yards, right? The the big playability, the shiftiness. But what I'm starting to watch, especially coming off these two days of joint practices, is the unbelievable lateral quickness, the sturdiness with which he runs his routes, and the concentration that he catches a lot of contested balls with, um, and and probably most notably, especially from viral moments and, and stuff that you and I will create episodes around because we know that there's so much buzz, is the way that he just leaves you in the dust. I don't think Washington's DBs want this guy to play in the preseason game, Kevin, even if it is a series or two, because he burned them. He burned every single guy that he was matched up with. He turns on a dime. He's so... Uh, again, you can be halfway through a route, right, as a DB and feel like you're in a really good place. You're on them, you're pressing them, you're in front of them, and then all of a sudden, it's like in basketball, right? The jab, he jabs you, and his his cutting ability is so slick, so violent, that he literally put a guy out of the frame today that the Ravens Productions crew put together and released. So it, it's quite fascinating. He's electrifying, and... I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't think he's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver his rookie year. I do think he's going to be that guy. I'm on record for saying over on The Vault, our show, when Marlon got up there and said, hey, we, I think we're going to have at least two 1,000 receivers. I think you put Mark Andrews in his own category because I think he's going to be that guy. If we're strictly talking the wide receiver position, I'll go Zay and Odell. How about you? Man. You know, I might take you up on that. I might, I might do the same thing as you because to me, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do a bull prediction episode probably a couple weeks from now. My bull prediction, I'm kind of thinking about it, is Zay Flowers will be the number one receiver on this team by the time the season's over, which is probably a little <laughs> bold, right? But that's what bull predictions are. You got to get a little crazy with them sometimes. But to me, Bobby, what I love about Zay Flowers, and you kind of alluded to it with his cutting ability, is when he breaks down his route. Usually when receivers break down a route and they're going to cut, they're going to come back to the ball they kind of have to stop and then go. With Zay Flowers, he just, it's one fluid motion where he feels, it feels like he's just running one route, one motion, and defensive backs just can't react quickly enough to it. So when you're talking about putting him one-on-one -on -one with someone, there are probably already only a handful of guys that can stick with him stride for stride with his movement, with his cutting. 
And this is before he's even played a game. And again, we have to see him on the field in, in a live NFL game fully first. I understand that we haven't seen him there yet, but by all accounts, he's played against the Eagles. He had that one move against that against the defensive back. Maybe it was a linebacker where he put him in the dust. And then the commander's practices, he's just been putting guys on the ground or out of the frames he talked about left and right. So I do think Odell's going to have a bigger impact than maybe some people think. And I'll say he's the 1,000-yard guy. And it's no disrespect to a guy like uh, Rashad Bateman, who I think is going to have a major impact this season. But I think when it comes down to health, I think it's not – I don't want to say unrealistic, but – maybe there's less of a chance both Odell and Rashad Bateman can play a full 17 games each. Maybe one guy will have to miss a couple games here and there. And in that case, Zay Flowers will be elevated into an even bigger role than I think he'll already have. Plus the offense in general, Bobby, we know they're going to be throwing the ball a lot more. So there are going to be plenty of opportunities to go around. Coming up in the second part of the show, we'll be diving into the remainder of takeaways from joint practices. Also talking about Marlon Humphrey's surgery and what that means for the Ravens defense for the first couple weeks of the year. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to talk about still on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Nutrafol, and you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. And sometimes men think losing their hair is inevitable. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men and take their health wellness quiz for your hair. Identify causes of your thinning hair. And Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning, such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, metabolism, through whole body health. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men and enter promo code LOCKEDONNFL. That's Nutrafol.com slash men promo code LOCKEDONNFL. We are back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Olshaker is still here with Bobby Trossett. And Bobby, there's a lot to get into when it comes to the defense. We'll talk about Marlon Humphrey coming up here in just a few minutes. But I want to talk about the defensive takeaways from Wednesday's practice. Corda Woodland, who does a great job over there at 105.7 The Fan, providing a lot of in- Orioles and Ravens, by the way. Cordell is literally everywhere. He was watching the Washington offense against the Ravens defense and he said there were actually the fights today were on the defensive side of the ball. We heard about all the offensive fights on Tuesday, Tyler Wallace and Mark Andrews. But Cordell said that there were some fights, Justin Matapike in there, Odafi Owe had his helmet off. But he said it was a good day from Ajabo, a good day from Owe. Both are disruptive. He said Justin Matapike, Roger Washington, Travis Jones, a problem to do with. It felt like the Washington offensive line could not handle the Ravens defensive line. Plus he said the Ravens linebackers and secondary were pretty good in coverage year two for Mike McDonald, Bobby, how are you feeling about this Ravens defense? Yeah, I saw the, a lot of those, those observations as well. And I don't want to get too, too ahead of myself and getting all fired up about the defensive line, because if I'm not mistaken, Washington's O line in terms of preseason rankings, not expected to be anywhere near the top of the, of the league. So, you know, let's just keep that in mind, but, you know, to me, David Ajabo and Adafe Owe played together in high school. Now they have a chance to play alongside to get, you know, e- each other at the NFL level. And we know that David's rookie season 
was stolen from him because of really the aftermath that torn Achilles. Adafe, he's just got to get home, man. He's got all the upside in the world. I can't wait to see what Dr. Rush, the, the pass rush specialist, outside linebackers, Coach Chuck Smith, the, the impact that he has on both of these guys. Because not only is Chuck a historian, but he's a non-traditional hire in the sense that, and they've done a couple of these hires, Kevin, in the last couple of years. Keith Williams on the offensive side of the ball, the, um, Devontae Adams' personal trainer in the offseason. They brought him in to work with their wide receivers in their pass game. So I like the fact that John is kind of, John Harbaugh is going in sort of a non-traditional route, and I hope it pays off for him defensively speaking with Chuck. He's a historian of the game when it comes to pass rushers, and he's worked with Von Miller at the at the annual pass rush summit. This dude is as plugged in as it gets, and I think what he's really honing in on with Adafe is variety, technique, and finishing. And all three of those categories for him, there's areas, there's opportunity for growth essentially in all three of those areas. And so it's a big year for Adafe, maybe even a bigger year for a guy in David Ajabo who looks spry, who looks healthy who looks like he's ready to take that jump, which if it's not for the Achilles, right, we're probably talking about this guy nowhere near Baltimore available a year ago in the draft because he was going to be a bona fide, what, top 15, top 10 peck. Instead, he falls to, what, the second round? So second or third round for Ajabo? I think second. it was the second round. Yeah, yeah, second round for David. So anyway, long story short, to me there is there is certainly question marks at pass rusher. We don't know what's going on right now with Tyus Bowser. He remains on the NFI list. And really, aside from Marlon, he's the biggest question mark in terms of, well, how severe is this? You know, the non-football non injury list, and based on what John Harbaugh said, there's we, 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 we don't know as much about that as we do with some other players. So, um, you know, I, I feel good about the middle part of this defense, right? But there are question marks in the secondary at cornerback, which we've highlighted. And then from a pass rush standpoint, when you lose Justin Houston, who is at the tail end of his career and who had your, your top sack category last year with nine and a half, you lose Calais Campbell, which I believe was five and a half sacks and just the leadership and the run stopping ability that he brings you in the trenches. Yeah, there's going to be question marks. But to me, I'm less worried about pass rusher because I feel like you have some guys that they're going to lean on more from a youth standpoint. I'm less worried about them as I am about just straight up no man's land right now, which is cornerback. You're going to have to have guys like Daryl Worley and Geno Stone, right? And our Darius Washington on this roster that are playing a hybrid role. They're not just going to be safeties. They're going to have to help out uh, at cornerback because, Right now, unless there's some sort of trade in the works with EDC, which we always know he's working his phone, so let's not discount the potential of that happening. Without that, it's going to have to be, um, you know, uh, almost like, um, gosh, a committee's work, if you will, in the secondary, because that's how much of an issue depth is. I think for the pass rushes you talked about, they can also use guys like maybe Trenton Simpson can play on the outside because he has versatility. They've experimented with Malik Harrison at the Sam position. So maybe he could be a backup to Tyus Bowser, but we know they've been poking around, you know, Jadavian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy and some of those pass rushers. John Harbaugh has also said as such that they're looking around there, but with Marlon Humphrey's surgery, Bobby, it just, it feels like corner all of a sudden, not that it wasn't a need already with Marlon Humphrey healthy, but now with him injured, it's just, 
Baltimore's group, and I've said this over and over again, Baltimore's group without Marlon Humphrey is probably a bottom five unit in the league. Maybe one of the worst, if not the worst corner groups in the league. Rocky Asin, who I said is injured. Jalen Armour Davis is injured. Pepe Williams is injured and not going to be back till October. And the key thing with this, Bobby, is that for Humphrey and Pepe Williams, you have to keep them on the 53 until they actually goes through. You can't put them on IR. It ends their season if you do that before the 53-man rosters are set. So for Pepe, if you want to put them on IR, you can't do that until after the September cutdown day. They're going to essentially have to cut down, and I don't know who's going to be chomping at the bit if you're another team to go out there and get one of these Ravens corners if they don't necessarily impress. But for Humphrey, it's just such a big loss. And the good part about it, not that there really is one, but is that it's not going to be a full-season thing. John Harbaugh didn't give a concrete timeline. We do know now from Justina Anderson, who does great work. Not only Ravens, she's pretty plugged into Baltimore, though, but across the entire league, she said it is not a Liz Franck injury, which is very good news for Marlon Humphrey and the Ravens as it would have been a lot longer if, if that were the case. But what, what's your feeling right now about this cornerback room, Bobby? Because with Marlon Humphrey out for these, however many games it is, it's going to be a key struggle point for them. And they're going to have to compensate with other strengths on their roster. Yeah. So again, I, just to kind of reiterate a, a minute ago, clarify, I should say pass rush. I, you, you can't be worried about any level of the defense more so than the secondary right now, given what's taking place. Right. So is there a need at pass rush? Probably. That's why they're still poking around. Like you said, Clowney, Van Noy, they still remain available on the, on the, on the free agent market. So yes, there's a need, but there's not a glaring need in my opinion, like there is a cornerback. So to your point a second ago, does this now put cornerback in the front row seat for EDC in terms of priorities depth chart wise between now and week one my hope is it's yes and obviously we're not worried about the linebacker room maybe the strongest in all of the nfl we'll see if they can do that we know roquan and patrick certainly feel that they are the number one duo uh line inside linebacker wise you know uh in the league but but getting to cornerback look you mentioned some of these guys already we, we know that marlin is going to be down for at least a month and then you ask yourself well, why rush him back? You cannot lose him for more time if you bring him back prematurely. You cannot afford that. So is it going to be more than a month just to play it safe? We'll see. We've seen that before. Rock Yassin, you hope at this point that he will be available come week one, but we don't know if that's the case. And then, you know, when you get to some of these guys like Jalen Armour Davis and Arthur Mollett and even Caillou Kelly, you kind of ask yourself, like, they're sort of unknown. You have a rookie, and in Jalen Armour Davis, you have a second-year corner just like Pepe, who was up and down last year, most of which was because, in Jalen's case, he wasn't even available health-wise, and then Pepe got injured as well. So not only do you have the unpredictable side of things, you have the uncertainty because it's just unknown. So so there's that. I, I think our Darius Washington is definitely making this roster. I think he's made a case. He's a former undrafted rookie. The guy's extremely versatile. He's got a nose for the football. And, um, you know, it's funny. He was one of those guys in day one of joint practices that definitely, definitely was was one that, like, I'd say escalated something that probably didn't need to be done in, uh, against the commanders. I think it was going up against a reserve tight end, if I'm not mistaken. But but I think he's a dog. I think I, I don't know how capable he is of, of playing cornerback on a, you know, on a on a weekly basis. But I think Jonas Schaefer put it best at this point. And you got Brandon Stevens out there as well as a strong safety. That's kind of his bread and butter. And you always know that uh, 
what they just picked up Tay Davis, I believe, from the Lions off of waivers. And then you have um, Daryl Worley, who can shift back, even though he literally just told us on Saturday, right, that that he uh, that he moved over to full time safety. Jonas said, long winded answer here, but Jonas made made the point that you can make an argument that Kevon Seymour is the healthiest and most available cornerback right now on this team now that Marlon is done. And again, that's that's t- as of today, the 16th. So we all know that without Marlon on paper, you'd think the number one guy would be Rock. But we're talking about availability health-wise. That's how scary it is. And all due respect to Kevon Seymour, but that's how scary things are right now on the 16th. Yeah, they're going with a lot of second-year guys, a lot of, you know, rookie undrafted rookies even guys like Jeremy Lucian who's played corner safety type guy Corey Mayfield Jr. I don't know what they do there plus they might have to keep an extra one now before putting you know if they want to put it depends because it feels like what their timeline is is a month but as you talk about Bobby I probably played a little safer than that if I were the Ravens because you don't want to lose them at all but it's better to lose them at the beginning of the season if they have to lose them at some point than in December January February when you're hopefully competing for playoffs Super Bowl whatnot so if you rush him back and he's only 60, 75% and he gets injured again, you're probably kicking yourself into Baltimore for not, you know, putting a little more time into his recovery. But then it becomes you have to let go of a couple of guys because you can't put the you can't put Humphrey, you can't put Pepe on any injury list until after that happens. So unfortunate injury for the Ravens, one they really couldn't afford to have. Honestly, feels like Rashad Bateman last season at the wide receiver room where we knew that if Bateman went down, that room was just kind of not going to be really good and it was already risk to begin with and now it happens again just on the other side of the ball for Baltimore coming up in the final part of the show we'll talk about the feeling around the Ravens just talking about what the vibes are around them and how good we're feeling about their team so be sure to stay tuned still a lot to get to on Locked on Ravens we return our final segment of Locked on Ravens Kevin Ostreicher is still rocking out here with Bobby Trossett of the vault and Bobby it feels like the feeling around this team right now if you go back to look at last offseason seems like a lot more people are excited about the Ravens. It seems like the Ravens are more excited about the Ravens with Greg Roman out, Todd Munkin in. It feels like one Lamar is very confident in his new offense and just feels like the trust level between him and Todd Munkin might be already better than what it was over the four plus years. Greg Roman was in Baltimore as his offensive coordinator, because I think Todd Munkin is putting that trust in him. Something we never really fully saw under Greg Roman. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I, I sort of made the observation during a preseason game, during that in-game interview with uh, Evan Washburn, who was working the sidelines, and that was basically, I think Lamar is doing, making sort of a concerted effort. Maybe he knows it, maybe he doesn't. Either indirectly or directly, he's expressing the dialogue, the behind-the-scenes dialogue that he's having with Todd as they sort of start this this new partnership together over the coming years, right? Hopefully for many years to come. And that's not necessarily, this isn't a knock against Greg Roman per se, but we never saw him express sort of the relationship building, the way that those two communicate together uh, during media availability. And I feel like I've seen more of that over the last several months than I have during the entire Greg Roman Lamar era together as QB and, and offensive coordinator. So, does that bode well for what's to come? We'll see. But I, I think Todd is empowering his guys. He's empowering Lamar. He's given him the keys to his offense. And he's given him the autonomy in a way and the creative freedom to know that when he's at the line of scrimmage, 
and he sees certain things coverage-wise, he can make changes. He can make adjustments on the fly. And even Kevin Zeitler is on record for saying, let me actually pull up this exact quote so I get it right. I love that I tweeted it out. Anytime Lamar makes any sort of change or call, we know he's about to do something magical. I'm pretty excited when he does it. That's a veteran in Kevin Zeitler speaking about Lamar and essentially now the freedom that he has under center. So to me, that excites me. I think it excites Lamar, and I got to give Todd credit. I think he's come in here and certainly tested these guys. Right, A lot of frustrations have boiled over as this new offense is implemented. Mark Andrews has lost his temper a couple times, including body slamming one of the uh, one of the commander's players on day one of the joint practices. Then day two, earlier today, kind of slammed his helmet after a Zay Flowers touchdown. You wonder if it was maybe from the play before. Jeff Zarebek alluded to there's some frustration with a pass breakup, um, I think, by Emmanuel Forbes. So anyway, you don't want to make too much of that. But I like that Todd is a no-nonsense guy, and it seems as if he's setting the tone here early that this is our philosophy, this is what we're doing. You know, he's gone back and forth between wristbands and no wristbands for Lamar as he gets his terminology down. It is kind of like learning a new language, even though, you know, some of the concepts are similar, especially from a rushing attack standpoint. But I really like what Todd's become so far. He's a breath of fresh air, and it seems as if Lamar agrees with that. Yeah, the, the no wristband thing was kind of throwing everybody in head first, like throwing <laughs> Lamar literally because it was a new offense. He comes out without the wristband, and Todd essentially says, go do it yourself, no help. And I know that, again, you talked about how they've gone back and forth with it, but I think that was a good early test for the offense and a good early test for Lamar, honestly. But, Bobby, I, I've been asking this question all week. I want to get your opinion on the preseason streak. It's 24 games now. haven't lost a game since 2015. Do you just want it to be done? You know, with all the – there's all these narratives about Baltimore, which is, oh, they – you know, they, they, this preseason is their Super Bowl and they try so hard to win the games. Or do you want them to just keep racking up wins uh, until they can't anymore? Either way, I wouldn't be surprised just based on Twitter, based on social media, you name it. There's always going to be a narrative. So if they lose, I wouldn't be surprised if those exact same people are saying, Harbs is trying to win this thing. You know, he's, he's playing Huntley in the second half because he wants to win, whereas he started Josh Johnson, right? Like Huntley's coming in to close it, even though Anthony Brown closed it. So, yeah, I mean, do I want it to end? I wouldn't mind because I feel like as content creators, we have to mention it, right? At some point in the broadcast, maybe not like right off the jump. That's what I do. I just mention it right off the, right off the jump, bang, move on. But like, ah. I go back and forth on that. I honestly wouldn't mind if the streak comes to an end because then we don't even have to mention it. If they win, we have to mention it, and there's going to be a reaction regardless. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to mention it until the next 24-game win streak in the preseason. <laughs> they'll, have, yeah. they'll have one loss yeah. in between, and it'll be some crazy streak they do again. Or maybe they'll lose 24 straight in the preseason, and it'll be a whole a whole another conversation about how they can't win in the preseason. But about, about that game, Bobby, on Saturday, I think we saw a lot of – good things from it not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination but I think you got to see what you needed to see in terms of some of the offensive skill players Justice Hill Keaton Mitchell Sean Ryan making an impact Travis Vokalek as well at the tight end position on defense Malik Harrison played very well we did see some positive you mentioned our Darius Washington who I'm personally very high on had a clutch interception essentially won them the game on that two-point conversion with an interception a very heads-up play by him 
and we saw some of the negatives. I, I think James Prochet definitely uh, did not help his case to earning that six wide receiver spot. There was a clip of Ben Cleveland that's obviously gotten a lot of attention. What were your overall thoughts from, from what happened in that game? Well, I, I just like the preseason because I think, you, you know, from a roster standpoint, you can really start to hone in on on those last few spots, right? Like 50, 51, 52, 53 in some cases, right? Who is really going to be competing for these last few spots on the back end? And Sarah and I started talking about two different position groups, and I think you, you kind of mentioned both of them, but a potential fourth running back and a potential sixth wide receiver being kept in those respective rooms. And I'm talking about Keaton Mitchell making a case for himself to be the fourth and Tylen Wallace making a case for himself to be the sixth wide receiver. I think there's cases to be made for both of those being smart. One, we know that when healthy, JK and Gus are one of the, if you know, maybe the best one, two punch in the NFL, if not the best up there for one of the best. And so the key is when healthy. And so are you going to essentially injustice, by the way, justice Hill has shown that he is, he's not just somebody who's a reserve running back. He can be used in a variety of ways. And we know that what's what I'm most excited about is Todd's usage, running backs usage in the passing game. That's what I think could really help Lamar take off his Superman cape, hit the check down, maybe even, you know, third or fourth option if need be, um, quick screen passes, right? Let these guys get out in space. But where I'm going with this is I think it would be good insurance to, and make, gosh, maybe you even throw him in as a return specialist here and there. Keaton Mitchell is a bad dude. This guy's got some serious burst, and I think he's making a case for himself. In terms of a sixth wide receiver, why not? If, you, if it makes sense roster projection-wise, when you're crunching the numbers and you feel like Tylen Wallace, because of his special teams abilities and a pretty dang good back shoulder grab as well in that preseason game, if you think that he's he, his services are needed uh, and 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 he's a v- valuable enough special teamer and somebody who you think can contribute in a pinch from a wide receiver standpoint, playmaking wise, should there be any injuries, then why wouldn't you keep him? Because the the, the risk you take, you throw him on the practice squad. All of a sudden, you know, there's other wide receiver needy teams out there, Kevin, like you know, and I just feel like that is a little bit risky. And and specifically, you know, Melvin Gordon, back to running back, I'd much rather have him on the practice squad, right? Somebody who went really, he was off, he was on the free agent market for a long time, deep into the offseason. So I'd feel more comfortable with him there than somebody up and coming, an undrafted rookie who's also, you know, dang cheap two and Keaton Mitchell being there I'd feel a little bit less vulnerable there I also think you know I also think for Baltimore when it comes to the practice squad Gordon's probably has the better shot at making it like I think if the Ravens cut Keaton Mitchell with the preseason that I expect him to have for this only been one game so far who's to say that a team doesn't come and swoop him off of waivers and put him on their 53 which is kind of crazy to think about with Nate McCrary it happened a couple years ago where the Ravens cut him I'm sure they were expecting him back on their practice squad and the Broncos come in and swoop him right up I think Gordon actually has the better shot to get on the practice squad and like you said I don't mind Gordon on the practice squad I just think for what the Ravens would want and need I think Justice Hill is very firmly on there have been some talking points about Justice Hill which are like 
is he a lock for the roster? Justice Hill's a lock for the roster. Oh, yeah. they, they signed him to an extension. They like his special teams ability, and he's come on as a running back. That, to me, is not the battle. The battle's in the fourth spot, which is it's up for grabs whether there'll even be a fourth spot. But if there is, that is Keaton Mitchell versus Melvin Gordon. And I think Keaton Mitchell, right now at least, is the obvious choice for multiple reasons. But we'll see what happens on Monday when the Ravens take on the Commanders. Uh, Monday night preseason game, which is kind of uh, out in the ordinary. But the Ravens played on Wednesday afternoon one time, so can't be as crazy as that ever was. But, Bobby, I appreciate you hopping on. Thank you so much for taking the time talking Ravens. Please tell people where they can find you and what you're working on right now. I appreciate it, man. You, you know, I, there's a lot of mutual respect here. That daily content grind, as we always say when we do these things, is, um, oh boy, not for the faint of heart. You know, it is a grind, but at the same time, we work and we we commit to this because of where we are right now in the time of year, right? Like this is our this is our time of year. This is what's most exciting, and I know there's a lot of overlap between our two audiences. So, you know, definitely, uh, you know, for the folks that that are loyal to you, they should be. Because you guys, you know, you and your your one man army crew grind and uh, it never goes unnoticed. So I appreciate you having me onto your platform as always. And uh, yeah, you can find me pretty much across all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Bobby Baltimore, as you see there in the bottom handle. I actually just revamped a discord server, which is a 24 seven hub for Baltimore sports. So you can find that. Uh, on Discord, you can find that on my social media accounts, Linktree accounts. It's all linked directly to that. Kind of a cool spot to hang out and talk Baltimore sports. I also have a YouTube channel, of course, uh, Bobby Trossett, just my full name, where you can find daily Ravens content on camera. And then Sarah and I on The Vault, which is our daily podcast covering the Ravens, kind of like Locked On, can be found across all platforms. And like I said, it, it's it's fun. We're three weeks out now. This is our second season. You know, we're a little bit behind you, OG. You know, you've been around this the, the platform for four years running now. So Sarah and I are trying to play catch up, and uh, we're we're excited. We we feel like you know just from a, an interest and engaging standpoint that uh, you know year two is going to be very exciting. Clearly, based on this episode, they have some holes to fill. Uh, but you know, you talk about just in terms of expectations. I'm not sure there's another team league wide aside from perhaps the Jets or, or Chiefs that have higher expectations placed on them right now uh, than in Baltimore, given what's taking place this offseason. So anyway, thanks so much for having me on, man, and, and hope to do it again. Absolutely. Bobby's a grinder. Go, go support him. Go support his work. He covers the Ravens, covers the Orioles too. The Baltimore, I say it every time, they're a sports town, and they're showing it over these past couple, especially with how good the Orioles are this year, which is an incredible story. But go check out Bobby's work over on the vault with Sarah. Again, Daily Ravens constant over there, just like we do over here. So plenty of great Ravens coverage, and Bobby's obviously a very big part of that. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be rounding out the week with more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.